Hello and welcome to the Beyond Resilience Life podcast, a show about life adversity, how to overcome it and transform your life. This is your host, Dr. Lidiana Garcia, a licensed psychologist in Los Angeles, California. And even though my hope is to deliver information that can be helpful for you to overcome adversity and transform your life, it is not meant to be a substitute for being diagnosed and treated by a licensed mental health, medical, and related professional. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Beyond Resilience Live. This is your host, Dr. Lidiana Garcia, and I'm so excited and thrilled to share with you this episode as we're entering February, which is usually a month that a lot of people talk about relationships because of Valentine's. It's also Black History Month, and the next episodes after this one's will be focused on my own journey on how I've been navigating the post Traumatic Slave Syndrome, a book that I'm reading by Dr. Joy the Guru. I believe that's how you pronounce her last name. Sorry if I did not pronounce it correctly. I will be sharing more about that. But for today, what we're going to be focused on is our relationship with ourselves. And I think it's super important. It's one of the most important, if not the most important relationship that we can have is with ourselves. Relationship with others come and go, but they're always with us. So it's how we learn to foster that relationship and create a way to relate to ourselves that honors us, that helps others see and respect us and relate to us in that way. There is that saying that if you don't know how to love yourself, then nobody will love you. I disagree with that. I feel like we learn how to love by other loving us. So we don't need to necessarily wait until we love ourselves. Because it's also like that is such a vague statement. What is loving yourself and what is enough, right? However, when you foster that relationship with yourself and you work towards that self-love, self-compassion, a lot of great things start to happen. A lot of relationships that were not serving you start to dissipate and go away because now you're relating to yourself in a new way and you're not allowing things that probably you were allowing before. That in itself can be really painful when you start seeing all the different losses, but you gain so much. So that's what the focus is about today, and I'm really excited. If you're interested to know what we're going to be talking about, I'm going to share a little bit about the importance of curiosity and having a non-judgmental stance. I'll ask some questions so you can learn and explore how to relate yourself. We're also going to talk about self-talk. I'm going to share a little bit about the roots of our relationship with ourselves, like where do we learn that, and some steps on how to start working toward improving that relationship. But before we do that, I want to give you some news. There is an upcoming event that I'm really, really excited. It's on February 20th. And so in two Saturdays, I believe, from when this episode comes out, airs out. And I'm doing a collaboration with Nicole Garcia. She's from Victory House Agency. Nicole is such an amazing woman. I did a collaboration with her two years ago. And to this day, it has been my favorite collaboration. It was the one that we did about generational trauma. And it was so, so amazing. So many folks, women mostly share from their heart their experiences, and we were able to provide like a healing night. I still remember it to this day. It was so joyful to be a beacon of that healing and such an important topic. So 
now we're collaborating into this new event that is going to be about navigating emotional manipulation with your parents. It happens a lot with Latinx community, immigrants, in general with Black, Brown, Indigenous, and people of color because of many things that we're going to be sharing about it. So if you're interested about it's going to be again for Saturday, February 20th. It's going to be in the evening, 5 to around 7.30 Pacific time. And the link over here should provide you more information if you want to purchase any tickets and any of that. So looking forward to seeing some of you and also give a shout out that you were a listener. I would love to see that when we do the webinar in the chat group. Alrighty, so now let's get into it. So for today, there might be a lot of episodes coming about something similar, because again, we're in February. What I would like to invite you for right now is to bring back curiosity, that when you were maybe a moment in your life that you explore something new and you approach it from that very curious, very non-judgmental, just like, oh, this is so cool here and this is nice there, or look at that, from that perspective, because that tends to help for you not to take it so much personal, for you to be a little more objective, which might not activate necessarily a super strong emotional reaction. And when we're working with ourselves, it can be really hard because again, it's with ourselves, but bringing curiosity, bringing that non-judgmental stance in itself can be so eye-opening into your own relationship with yourself, learning about it and changing it. So for now, I'm just going to invite you, if you can, step into that curious mode, the non-judgmental, and just ask yourself, how is your relationship with yourself? How do you relate to yourself? Especially when you're struggling, when you're doing great, when you need help, how do you relate to yourself when you make a mistake? And as you bring that awareness and that curiosity, probably what you went to was into what you say to yourself and what do you do to yourself? But mostly it's like what we say to ourselves, right? So that self-talk. And it's really important to bring that same mode of curiosity to that self-talk and paying attention to what do you say? Like what are the words? But also how do you say it? What is the tone? What is the underlying message? Is there any sarcasm in any of that? Because how we talk to ourselves can make us or break us. How often I hear, and I have experienced that myself, that I'm in a situation and myself talk about stuff like they must think X, Y, and Z or whatever kicks in and it goes into this horrible mode. And that stops me from actually doing something relating to someone, stepping up or doing something because I'm just in my own inner chatter, negative inner chatter of all the bad things that they can be thinking about. Because when I go there, it's usually about me feeling that I'm not disrespecting, but that I'm not honoring other people or I'm taking too much of my time or being self-centered or I'm not taking into consideration their needs and any of that. That is usually something that gets in my way. And then I question my intentions. And, and if, I can, if I go there, I can really shut down. Like I just 
I wanted to like say something, interact, and then I go into shutdown mode. And I know I'm not the only one. I hear it a lot. So that's part of the process is becoming curious and assessing and exploring that. And I know I gave you like four or five questions, but in general, you can go on and on about how do you relate to yourself in different situations when you're at work, when you're at home, when you are with your caregivers, when you're with your children and, you know, all of that. If you want to explore it like full on. And then as we think about that, then the question is, where is this coming from? Where is this relationship with ourselves? Where do we learn this way of relating to ourselves? And you'll know that I will bring, obviously, a topic of trauma in regards to several different ones. One of them is going to be more about how we were brought up, how we were raised by our caregivers, whoever was there, present in our lives, raising ourselves not only with how they related to us, what they said to us, but also how they related to themselves. Observation is one of the most basic ways of learning. And as human beings, a lot of times we verbalize our thoughts. For example, it happens with a lot of people that are self-conscious about their bodies. You might be like, oh, this doesn't look good. Oh, look, I'm so fat. All those kind of things. And if you're verbalizing that and you have a child near you that is unable to discern and differentiate things, might start internalizing. And then we have the media that also goes into so many different biases and implicit messages that are passed on based on your race, based on your gender, based or, or if you're non-binary based on your appearance, your age, and we can go on and on and on, right? So in general, there's that part of what we internalize also as like internalized oppression and racism, all those messages that a lot of them are not necessarily things that we heard, but it's more about things that we saw happen to us or that we saw happen to other people. I also kind of talk briefly about collective trauma in terms of like and generational trauma. So how our parents or caregivers talk to us, but also what they went through and how those habits are being passed on, how they talk to themselves, how they related to themselves if they made a mistake, how they reacted to you if you made a mistake. Though all those things play a part. And there's also experiences with we're a social beings, right? So any kind of experience, starting even from, I already mentioned the caregivers, but then if you kind of follow the traditional path and you went to school, your teachers, your peers, any other interaction with any other organization or agency in the community, any sports and all those kind of stuff, all those experiences later on, any jobs or any occupation or if you pursue higher education, all those experiences with others, they can shape us and they can add into a meaning. And if we already had like questioning, let's say in childhood, the caregivers struggled with their own relationship with themselves because of many factors, and they are relating to you in a way that is very dismissive, 
it's very like pushing you to excel. And when you make a mistake, you get a big consequence. I remember when I used to work with parents of teens or even parents in general, the giving a consequence, it can be very interesting. And I would get a lot of people that their children will do something and they will give like a huge consequence because they got triggered and they thought, well, this could be the beginning of them using drugs or becoming an addict or an, or end up in the streets or homeless. And I don't want that. So I need to put like this, we say in Spanish, mano dura. So we have to put like this strong stance and show them like from, from a very authoritarian perspective of who's the one ruling. So that way they wouldn't do it because that's how you learn. That's how they learn how to raise children because that's how they were raised. For the most part, when you're living in different traumas, whatever that is, if it's poverty, immigration, and your parents and your caregivers are struggling to make ends meet, a lot of times, or are afraid that you might end up in jail because of many different factors. You might look in a certain way that might put you in a higher risk of even being killed by a police officer, right? If we go there. So a lot of times, those caregivers tend to be more authoritarian and to use more of that fear to control. But that control is based on their own fear that something can happen to you. This is one case. This doesn't explain all of them, but I'm just giving an example. And if that is you, just know that you're not alone. This happens so much. And if you're a parent or a caregiver and you're struggling that when your child makes a mistake, I've been there as well. When your child makes a mistake or is not following through or something and you have a very strong reaction, if you cannot in that moment, reflect on it because it took over you. But later on, if you can reflect on it and just try to like really assess where is this coming from? I know for me, now that I'm doing this distance learning, is definitely knowing logically that old children have their own level of development and they, it's not good to pressure them to read and write and all those kind of things. And yet, when I see that my child is like, quote unquote, behind, it triggers me. And I think that triggers comes from my own generational trauma patterns in terms of how in that older generation, great grandparents and all that, if their children didn't do good, that meant that they could have end up in a position that they did not want it. They wanted, they were pushing for education. They were pushing for better men of the family that way, right? They did not want their children to end up in the streets selling or working, cleaning houses and stuff like that. So they really pushed for education because that was the way that they thought in that moment that could give them a better future for their children. And even though I probably, I don't recall having that strong kind of like you have to do good in school, it was an unspoken expectation. And I knew that if I would lack behind or not good in a class, then I internalized that, that there was something wrong with me. So going back to my child, when he's kind of quote unquote behind or not doing or not paying attention, I've had moments that I noticed that I take this very strong reaction. And then if I cannot in that moment manage it, later on I reflect on it and it's all those things that are passed on. And that's just a simple example of how my own trauma and generational trauma 
triggers me and then I react based on a fear of not wanting my child to end up in a certain way. But the way that he internalizes, it's a little different. He doesn't know all that backup story. He just knows that when he makes a mistake, there's a big consequence or mommy gets very upset. So then he starts internalizing, there must be something wrong with me. And that's how you start a lot of times the relationship with yourself. Like there's something wrong with me when I make a mistake. I cannot make mistakes. And if I make a mistake, I'm a dumb person or whatever. You know, you can create all those. I mean, you probably in some homes, you might have heard some of those things. But in general, you create an interpretation. So those are just different examples of ways that and roots of how you ended up relating this way. And when you do this work, I definitely recommend doing it very slow and super gentle because there might be a lot of things that might come. There might be a lot of memories that you were pushing away and it might feel very intense because that inner child might be just experiencing it so raw. So I just invite you, like if you start going there, exploring your own relationship with yourself, which I think is a super important step before even, or like kind of in combination of working towards changing it. Because if you're working towards changing something that you have no idea what you're changing, yes, you can have some changes in your life. But I personally don't necessarily see that they might be sustainable because you were kind of put in like a band-aid that was not like dealing with the wound. And there's times and times this discernment is super important of when to attend to the wound. And sometimes we need a band-aid in order to not get infected, right, for a wound. But there's times that we need that to be open to the air so it can breathe and it can heal, right? So It's kind of that analogy to be gentle with yourself when you're exploring and also knowing that if you're not a caregiver yet, or if you're a caregiver and you cannot empathize with your own caregivers, it's really hard what a lot of them went through and they just did it in a way to survive. So now on to steps to how to improve your relationship. And I will start with that first recommendation that I did as we started this episode, which is curiosity. The more that you add curiosity into your life, I feel like it can be so freeing because it can give you a different perspective. If you're very in it, let's say you have a very strong emotion reaction toward yourself and you're very hard toward yourself when you make mistakes and you you just made a mistake and you're trying to figure out in that moment, it can be really hard because you're in the heat of that emotion. However, when you kind of like let that pass and you try to look from a objective or a third person stance from that curiosity, that can add a very different perspective, which in fact, that could be a really cool exercise. I remember when I learned this in my undergrad program, that technique of imagining that you're seeing yourself from a third person. So that way you get a little separation from yourself. And then you can kind of even speak from that perspective, like you can say your name is doing X, Y, and Z, kind of like from that curiosity or just describing what's going on without necessarily adding any judgment, like, and they have no idea what they're doing or they're being bad or any kind of those. But the more, again, that you add that curiosity and that non-judgmental, then the broader the perspective opens up. And when you open up the perspective, then you open up the opportunity 
to change from a different way. So that would be what I would say. How to do that? You can, if you like journaling, you can journal about yourself and maybe you can practice that from a third person. You can also just think out loud and imagining yourself from a third person. Yeah, any way that you feel inclined, even art, but that you can add that. That's what I would say would be helpful. The second recommendation or step would be to, you know, as you bring that curiosity to start listening to yourself, listening to that self-talk and then listening to what you're feeling, what are your sensations at that moment. And if you can add here, like assess where you are in your window of tolerance or your regulation. So as a reminder, window of tolerance is our capacity to stay regulated for the most part and not either like have an anger outburst or lose it or shut down completely. It's kind of like being in that zone and depending on your basic needs and what's going on in your life, there's days that that window of tolerance is very thin, very small, very narrow, and anything can throw us off. So being very gentle when you're noticing that your window of tolerance, perhaps you didn't sleep, perhaps you have a lot of stress, you have work stuff, financial. So that window of tolerance is, is thinner, is smaller. So expecting in that moment things for you to do, like, like your expectations, it would be best to lower them for the minimum necessarily until you work towards expanding that window of tolerance. And then you can kind of have more expectations and being more gentle with yourself. And also assessing in terms of where you are in that regulation. Are you feeling more like in that fight or flight mode, depending on how it looks for you? Are you a lot of anger and you feel like you can argue with anyone? Or you know how there's times that you pick up fights because you have so much anger or you're going through something and you just pick up someone and then you just on them. So kind of like that, or you're kind of feeling so not attuned or safe in your body that you're just wanting to like go away and ignore everything and not wanting to be anywhere. Or are you kind of more in the shutdown, kind of depressed, not having energy for anything? So those will help you explore where you are. And one of the steps that therapists do and we're trained on and I find that it could be so healing in itself is validating. Validating whatever is going on. That's not justifying the behavior. It's just validating. I see that you're struggling. I see that you did not sleep and then you had that situation at work. It's kind of like reflecting back what the person said. So in this case, after you listen and you assess where you are, then you can, that self-talk or even out loud, tell yourself, I can see that you're struggling. I can see that you're going through X, Y, and Z and you feel this way and this is what just sounds in your body in a calm manner, not with a weird tone, like I can see that you're doing that, <laughs> you know, none of that. Kind of in a very like accepting and positive regard, like, that acceptance, radical acceptance for yourself. And that one is so, so important. And then as we're moving now into like, what do we tell ourselves? How do we talk to ourselves besides validating? It's finding that gentle 
way, that compassionate way to ourselves. And if you're struggling with this, perhaps you did not have any of that growing up. You went, you have a complex history of trauma, including collective or racism, oppression, and all that. So you have not experienced other people being that way to you. The modeling is very limited. This can be really hard, but it's still very doable. One of the things would be of you imagining, because a lot of times it's hard for us to be gentle with ourselves, but we're very gentle and very compassionate towards others. So imagining if you were your own best friend, what would you tell yourself? Or even if that's hard and thinking, if you were like talking to your best friend and they explain and let you know all that, how would you talk to them? What would you say to them? And it's in that gentle, compassionate way. And is that, it's still hard. This might be a funny recommendation, but there is some shows that portray parents in a very kind of like, in this kind of mode. One of them is Daniel the Tiger. The, um, his mom is like practicing all the skills. So if you need like a visual, and it's a cartoon, it's for preschool kids, but if you need like a visual and you have no idea, then I would invite you to watch a show like that. Another thing could be of listening to podcasts about parenting, conscious parenting, respectful parenting. That can be really helpful. And when you see and hear the the way that they're relating or recommending relating to children, then that could be also the internalized new voice that could really help that new relationship with yourself. It's like imagine that you have an internalized ideal parent and it's just being there for you or, you know, internalized older self, wiser self, higher self, however you like to call this. And one thing that I think is super important is also how to the discernment discerning when do you need to push yourself. And this is a hard balance. If you're used to being that go, 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 go mode, the most likely what you need is more at the moment of helping you to kind of like come back and take it slow and don't hustle that much. But if you've been on the other side that you don't follow through, you don't complete that task that you said that you were going to do, and that is adding into not trusting, you're not trusting yourself then perhaps then you need that extra push for you to actually do. And so kind of like getting an internalized voice of a coach or someone that is there for you, like cheering you on, but also being honest about what you're doing is like that radical honesty and pushing you when you need to. Like, okay, that's it. Come on, you can do better. Let's do this. But in a very, it's kind of like, where's that line that divides that it becomes abusive? And only you will know, but in general is like maybe reflecting on if you were ever in a sport or if you had to do like a presentation, how do you like to receive that motivation for you to complete things? And speaking from that perspective, because everybody's different. And the last step, it's more about exploring your needs and attend to your needs. This is such a very important step. And I know I've mentioned this form before, the basic needs, human needs and feelings um, is a PDF from the Center for Nonviolent Communication. And it was done in 2005. And 
it just has a list on your needs. So it has about, and I'm going to really quickly run through it so that way you can have an idea. But in general, we can start with the physical well-being, like enough air, food, movement, exercise, rest and sleep, sexual expression, safety, shelter, touch, water. And then we go into the ones about connection, acceptance, affection, appreciation, belonging, cooperation, communication, closeness, community, companionship, compassion, consideration, consistency, empathy, inclusion, intimacy, love, mutuality, nurturing, respect and self-respect, safety, security, stability, support, to know and be known, to see and be seen, to understand and be understood, trust, warmth. And then we go into the meaning needs, awareness, celebration of life, challenge, clarity, competence, consciousness, contribution, creativity, discovery, advocacy, effectiveness, growth, hope, learning, mourning, participation, purpose, self-expression, stimulation to matter, understanding. And there's other ones like honesty, authenticity, integrity, joy, humor, beauty, communion, ease, equality, harmony, inspiration, order, choice, freedom, independence, space, and spontaneity. These are just a list of different needs that can help you explore where you are, what is the need that's probably not being met in the moment, and then what can you do? And if there is a need that it's about like connection and about other nurturing or something like that, and the only way that you can think of how to show nurturing would be for if your love language is about touch and having someone to touch you and hug you and all that, but you don't have that other person, then perhaps asking yourself, how can I nurture myself? What can I do right now that is nurturing? And when you start not only recognizing your needs, but attending to them, meaning fulfilling them, you're going to start building that trust. And then your own self is going to start being like, oh, okay, you have my back. I can be vulnerable with you because you'll be there instead of being rough with me or or dismissing me or doing any of those kind of things. You're there for me. And when you start building that relationship of listening and following through whatever you need, it's so beautiful. It's a journey. We only have ourselves. We came here by ourselves and we're going to die by ourselves. Yes, somebody might say that you'll, you were born be a, a human and you, if you die in a hospital or something, you might have someone next to you, but it's a journey that you do on your own, being born and going and dying. So as I'm ending this episode, I really invite you to this month and beyond this month for you to start exploring your relationship and start working towards moving to improving it. I am so looking forward to hear from any of you if there's any questions and how you're improving your relationship with yourself. I read you, read your comments and your reviews, and I really appreciate that. They're really helpful because they increase the algorithm to help other people have access to this show. 
as well. If you find this episode any helpful for you, it might also be helpful for friends or family members and sharing it. It just takes a click and it could actually help them. And it also can help me with increasing the visibility of the show. Thank you so much for listening. Have a blessed day today as you're listening to this and I'll see you soon. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to the Beyond Resilience Life podcast. I'm so happy to have you here. If you like this episode, please make sure to review it and comment on it and share it with your friends and family. Until next time.